You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Evil minds that plot destruction. Sorcerer of death's construction. In the fields of bodies burning. Machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national and international events. To analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network from the studios of Community Radio 3CR in Melbourne. Welcome to all our listeners in over 20 community radio stations across the country in every state, but not every territory. Or maybe we do have somebody listening to the ACT. I've forgotten we used to once. It doesn't matter, but we are here and you're there. <laughs> I'm in a funny mood today, so uh, all I can say to you is hang on. i tell you why I'm in a funny mood. I walk into Community Radio 3CR, a den of radical activists, and I'm offered something. They said to me, Joe, Joe Toscano, we know you're a soft touch. Would you like to broadcast some material sent to us through the community radio network by the BBC regarding an elderly 99-year-old man who died in a palace in London last week? And I said, no. So there you are. You've been freed. I was asked. I said, no. And they said, why? And I said, I don't think anybody knows who this man is. <laughs> why should I give him more publicity? Okay, do you want to know what anarchy is all about? No, it's not about kowtowing to the monarchy. Anarchos without rulers. So it's a, an anarchist is somebody who's involved in the struggle to create a society without rulers. What are the twin pillars which give rulers the ability to determine the fate of billions of people, and sometimes in exceptionally negative ways? Inequalities in power and wealth. So the anarchist struggle is the struggle to devolve power, that share power. It's the struggle to hold wealth in common and use it for the common good. Simple concepts. You don't need a PhD in philosophy or political science to be an anarchist. All you need is that desire to be involved in the struggle to devolve power and share wealth. And if you're involved in that struggle, whether you call yourself an anarchist or not, you are part of the anarchist community. I won't use the anarchist family because obviously families can be quite dysfunctional. So it's the anarchist community. Well, talking about dysfunction, I want to talk about buzzwords today. Oh, I love buzzwords. There's one thing about the English language, and you know, I came late to the English language. I didn't speak a word of English till I was about five or six. But it's interesting. I find the English language fascinating, and I love buzzwords because buzzwords are used to hide reality. That's right. Buzzwords. 
And the buzzwords of the moment, which every corporate executive, every CEO, every hierarchical lover is currently using because they want to be seen to be doing the right thing is equity, you like that? Equity, unity and inclusion. Now I'll give you a if I gave you a dollar for every time you've heard those words used by somebody in authority in the last week, I would be bankrupt. I'd have to go follow money, modern monetary theory and create money out of thin air in order to pay you. Those three words, equity, unity, inclusion. I even heard the new CEO of the Melbourne Football Club, the oldest uh, football club in Australia and possibly the oldest sporting club in the world, used those three words when she was given the gong. Equity, unity, inclusion. Every second-rate politician, every second-rate CEO ticks the equity, unity, inclusion box because they know that things are beginning to change in society and they need to tick those boxes in order to be acceptable. But what does it mean? What do they mean by those words? Equity, unity and inclusion. Let's look at the word equity. Now, as you know, regular listeners to the Anarchist World this week and all those new listeners to the Anarchist World this week who've uh, switched across from Radio National because it's been a bit boring lately, I've been told last week by a new listener. Well... Equity. We all know that life in Australia in the 21st century is a handicap race. Some people find it's a little bit like the stall gift, you know, the Easter stall gift in Victoria, Australia's richest foot race. It's a handicap race. So some people find themselves 50 metres behind the starting line in a 100 metre race and other people are 50 metres in front of the starting line in a 100 metre race. So when they're talking about equity, they're not talking about equality. They're not talking about breaking down hierarchy. They're not talking about sharing wealth. They're talking about equality of opportunity. How do you have equality of opportunity in a 100-metre race when some people start 50 metres behind the starting line and some people are 50 metres in front of the in front of the starting line, unless you've got a lasso and you can actually lasso those that are 50 metres in front of the starting line. So equity is a buzzword. It means nothing to a CEO or a corporate, you know, corporate head or a, manage, a manager. It is just a buzzword. You need to tick the box in order to be acceptable because with increasing shareholder pressure on the bottom line, what we're seeing is that these people in power and authority are being forced to use these buzzwords in order to be acceptable. Unity, the next buzzword. I love the word unity. Why do I love the word unity? Well, it's very simple. Because what they mean is unity behind the status quo. Unity behind what we have here today. Unity behind the nation state. It's not a unity which is based 
on interaction between equals, but a forced unity which is based on nationalist sentiment. And we will see this on Anzac Day on the 25th of April where we will be regaled with stories which have no semblance with reality regarding how we need to be unified. You don't have unity in a disunited country. You don't have unity in a country where a million people out of 26 million, a million children live in poverty in 2021. You don't have unity when some people are earning over a thousand times more than other people per day. They want unity in order to maintain the status quo. So who's they? That small section that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. Those political representatives who take their marching orders from their puppet masters. That 8% of the population, which is doing very well as they've got disposable income, which they can use to uh, invest and use this country's investment-friendly laws in order to minimise their contribution to this uh, society. They're the ones who want unity. You cannot have unity in an unequal society. You cannot have unity, apart from a unity based on fear, in an unequal society, and that's what we have in this country, a unity based on fear, a unity based on the fear of the Chinese, a unity based on the fear of the Indonesians, a unity based on the fear of those of welfare recipients, and a unity based on the fear of uh, radical elements within our society. And the list goes on and on. So again, another buzzword, tick the box, Equity, unity. Because you use these words doesn't mean that processes are put in place which break down those boundaries which exist. And inclusion, that is the latest buzzword. It is such an important buzzword today. If you can't tick the inclusion you know, box, you're a loser. Inclusion. So what do we include people in? We include them into the system we have today. We include them into a system where we have growing inequality. We don't care what colour they are, what language they speak, gender orientation, and the the list goes on. We don't care. We're happy to include them as long as they're willing to to worship at the feet of mammon, as long as they're willing to accept the inequalities which exist in our society. Because certain sections of society are included in the pecking order, are allowed to join the pecking order to exploit the bulk of people, doesn't make us a better society. All you've got to look at is the type of people 
who now head large corporations in this country. You've got gay people, you've got women, you've got people of colour, obviously a minority, but they've been included. Does it really change the way a corporation works? Because ultimately, we live in a society which is based on private investment for private profit, and that is called capitalism, private investment for private profit. But it gets worse in Australia, and I'll talk about that later on. Private investment for private profit. As long as you worship at the foot of mammon, as long as you, you know, spruik for deregulation, removing all those legislative processes which have been put in place to protect people, as long as you spruik corporatisation, allowing various elements of this society to be dominated by a handful of corporations, as long as you spruik globalisation, removing our sovereign ability to determine our economic future as a country, as long as you believe in privatisation, well then, we don't care about your gender, your sexual orientation, your racial origins. You believe in those basic tenets of capitalism, private investment for private profit, you're our person. And if we need to cloudy, to muddy the language, if we need to use buzzwords in order to continue to exploit people ad nauseum, we're happy to use those words. As long as it means ticking a box. As long as there's no follow-through. Now, when I hear the term equity, unity and inclusion or inclusiveness, I ask myself, what are you going to do about it? How are you going to change those institutional structures to ensure there's greater equality, not just in terms of opportunity, but equality in terms of sharing the Commonwealth. That's right, the Commonwealth in this country. We do live in the Commonwealth of Australia, in case you've forgotten. Listen to the Atticus World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name's Joseph Toscano, and I'm hosting today's program. Now, we're going to try to get through a few issues Opinion and analysis. Now, the Anarchist World this week is not an opinionated program. I'm not interested in opinion. Look, I can give you an opinion about the green-eyed cat that controls the universe, but I'm not going to give you an opinion about the green-eyed cat that controls the universe. I would analyse that statement. The Anarchist World this week is about analysis. It's about looking at an issue, dissecting that issue, putting tissue under electron electron microscope and seeing how it fits together. And that's the problem in 21st century Australia. We have opinion. Opinion. Opinion is cheap. Analysis is difficult. It's hard. That's why only, I think, four corners in the ABC has analysis. And the government obviously would like to shut down Four Corners. But 
most other crap you see is opinion, especially in the Murdoch media. Now, it was interesting to see that former Prime Ministers... It's always former Prime Ministers. That's what gets me. It's always bloody former Prime Ministers. Mr Turnbull and Mr Rudd, you know, men who've covered themselves in glory as our Prime Ministers, doing little, if anything. But they finally got it right. They have finally said what everybody knows. Not that the Emperor has no clothes, but the Murdoch Empire continues to dictate political reality in Australia, that it is the most powerful political force in this country. I never heard them, when they were in power, raise these same issues. Now, we've been raising these issues on the anarchist world this week since 1977, 44 years ago, when we began broadcasting initially as the Encounters of the Fertile Turf and then as the anarchist world this week when we changed our name in 1989, when the Berlin War fell down and the world realised that what's supposed to, you know, communism wasn't the answer. So it's an issue. And the way the Murdoch media works, and let's not forget, the Murdoch media was ultimately responsible for the Trump era. They are ultimately responsible for the so-called insurrection on the Congress building in the Senate in Washington. They were responsible for the death, unnecessary deaths of tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of North Americans because of their government's inability to take the COVID-19 threat seriously, because they didn't believe it existed. And if you want to blame anybody for the state of this country and the state of many other places around the world, you need to look at the Murdoch media. Now, the Murdoch media is basically an investment company for private investment for private profit. As long as they can get their advertising revenue, they don't care. So for Turnbull and Rudd to now turn around and say, Murdoch continues to be the most powerful political force in this country when we've known this all along for generations makes me ill. Why didn't they do something when they were in power? Obviously, their weak parliamentary colleagues concerned about their future weren't willing to rock the boat, turn over the apple cart so everybody has apples, not just a few, not just those pushing the cart. So let's not forget that although we like to think that the Murdoch media is no longer relevant, I will go through the steps why it is as relevant today and if not more relevant than it was before the advent of social media, the World Wide Web, and the list goes on and on. Currently, media, both government-owned and privately-owned in this country and most other parts of the world, runs on it on providing opinions about what's happening. Not about analysis, not about facts, but about opinions. 
And when you have a media which relies on opinion, what happens is it reflects the opinions of those who make the decisions in those corporations and those companies. Because if you don't reflect their opinions, you find your short-term contract comes to a screaming end. That's right. Comes to a screaming end. So why didn't they do something? Why didn't they break down the monopoly instead of increasing the monopoly? Everybody likes to think of Keating as a hero. Keating was responsible for the monopolisation which occurred as far as the Murdoch media is concerned. And every Prime Minister since has bent over backwards to ensure they receive maximum profits. And we saw this just two months ago when the federal government introduced legislation which was supported by the alternative Liberal Party masquerading as the Australian Labor Party which allowed the Murdoch media and the other legacy media to receive royalties from the new media barons. It wasn't about protecting us and it wasn't about increasing taxation revenue for Australia. It wasn't about ensuring that Facebook and you know the, the rest of them, the rest of them in the World Wide Web, paid their fair share of tax. I mean, that legislation was just about ensuring that Murdoch, that Murdoch the News Corporation, Fox News and the rest of the opinion-making elements of uh, the media received a financial reward. So don't tell me the legacy media does not, is not important in 2021. It is, it is central to the type of society we are today. It is central to the opinions that you hear and see in the community, opinions regarding refugees, asylum seekers, Aboriginal people, and the list goes on and on, people on social security benefits. I mean, the buzzwords have changed. I mean, the buzzwords in the past were dull bludger. That's right, dull bludger. Leaner. The list goes on and on. But now it's equity, unity and inclusion. You listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. So, you're concerned? Well, you've got a number of things you can do. Ah, you can listen to The Anarchist World this week and say, what a boring program, what an interesting program, what a you know, cutting-edge analytical program, but it won't pay you dividends. Because the only thing that pays dividends in this country is feet on the ground and pressure on the major parties in their little, you know, electoral party they have every three or four years, depending whether it's a federal or state election. So, yes, I'm encouraging you to join public interest before corporate interest. I know I sound like a broken record, but you're not going to get change with analysis or opinion pieces, or great interviews, or boring interviews, you're not going to get change unless pressure can be placed on parliamentary representatives. Whether you work 
via the extra parliamentary field or work inside the tent or work both outside and inside the tent, unless we can generate that pressure to raise alternatives to the current private investment for private profit, religious indoctrination, which we receive every minute of every day, you know, from birth to death, well, then we need political parties like public interest before corporate interest. Look, I'm not going to employ you to join. You either join or you, or you don't. You can put up the status quo. You can throw a brick for your TV set. You can, you know, you can chop up your modem. You can cancel your Facebook account. You know, you can jump up and down. You can cry. But ultimately, all they care about is how you vote and whether you get out in the streets. And if there's not enough, us, not enough of us currently, you know, to get out in the streets, well, it's a matter of influencing people, changing people's opinion, changing the dynamics, changing the conversation. Sorry I used that word. That's another buzzword which we use today. The conversation. You know, what conversation? That conversation. The list goes on and on. So if you want to join public interest before corporate interest, you can do it in a number of ways. Had people ring me last week who've joined from uh, interstate, which is good to hear. We've got members across the country. We welcome members from around the country. We prefer members on the electoral roll because we need 550 members to register as a federal political party and hopefully we can register before the next uh, federal election. If we can't, bad luck. We'll just have to wait for the next one. So you can download the application form from pipsi, P-I-B-C-I dot net. Do not put public interest before corporate interest or pipsi on your Facebook page because you'll be blocked. That's right. We are the type of organisation your mother warned you about and Zuckerberg warns you about. We're blocked on Facebook, but just go to the World Wide Web, pipsi.net. You can download the application form. Send it in, you can email it back, you can post it back and, hey, presto, before you know it, you'll be a member of Public Interest Before Corporate Interest. Go to the website, fascinating website run by one of our members, Anthony. Great website, great information, great material. Gives you an idea of what, what we're all about. Or you can always write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Or that number, if you haven't got a printer, haven't got the internet, only listen to radio, you can always leave a message on 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. You're listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia, courtesy of the Community Radio Network, with the, via the Community Radio Network. This program is coming to you from the studios of Community Radio 3CR in Melbourne. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au or you can go to the uh, Pipsy Instagram site, Pipsy, P-I-B-C-I underscore, I think it's underscore A-U. Just put it down and, hey, presto, there's the program. Or you can go to my Facebook page, Joseph Toscano. Easy, easy, easy. Rule by Media Conference. Is it interesting? Rule by Media Conference. Have you noticed how our current Prime Minister been a uh, advertising, an ex-advert, well, current advertising executive? 
he likes to rule by media conference. And a few days ago, we had a 7pm media conference as if we were about to go to war to tell us that the AstraZeneca vaccine, you've got a 1 in 250, 1 in 300,000 chance of uh, getting a rare clotting disorder, which could result in death, as if it couldn't wait the next day. But that's what you need to do. You need to keep up the momentum. And then you look at the reality regarding the vaccination program, which is going on currently, and you can see the holes in the vaccination program. Holes which have been widened by a government that's been panicked, that what you see is there's never any follow-through as far as the Morrison-led government is concerned. We lurch from one news event to another news event to another news event to another news event. Two months ago, it was about the allegations made against the Attorney-General Six weeks ago, it was about women's reaction to those allegations and other allegations which had been made about a, a, a Liberal Party staffer being raped in a minister's office, allegedly raped in a minister's office. Then we saw demonstrations across the country. They were in the news for about a day or two. Then we moved to, we moved to the next news item and 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 the next news item. But there's never any follow-through. This is rule by spectacle. You create a spectacle. You keep the country's eyes on the dear leader. That's right, Mr Morrison, the dear leader. And then you move on to the next issue. But you don't tackle the issue. Whether it's vaccination, COVID-19 vaccination, whether it's the one million children living in poverty, whether it's the inability of this government to even consider entering into negotiations with First Nations people for treaties or treaty, whether it's to do doing something, anything, about the 30% of people live on inadequate social security benefits, whether it's doing something about climate change, apart from pandering to the coal lobby, nothing ever happens because there is no follow-through. This is the problem with a media which is driven by an opinion, not analysis. Let's analyse something, you know. Let's, for the sake of... Let's just look at something, Okay. Let's look at climate change, climate emergency, whatever you like to call it, okay? Let's look at Australia's reaction, or more importantly, the Liberal National Party's reaction. Let's look how they are, have been trapped by the coal lobby because obviously there are a number of workers in various uh, federal electorates who will lose their jobs and because this government has no follow-through or alternative plans... Obviously, people are going to fight tooth and nail to keep their jobs, no matter how unproductive they are and how they contribute to the climate emergency because, obviously, in a capitalist society based on private investment for private profit, you don't have a job, you lose your home. It's that simple. You don't have a job for six weeks, you don't have an income for six weeks, you know, 
Over ninety percent, almost over ninety percent of Australians are either on social security benefits or, or wage earners. They don't get that money. They're stuffed. That's why I'm still working, and I'm nearly seventy. You don't get that money. You're stuffed. You know. So no wonder they're going to fight tooth and nail for their jobs because the federal government has made no allowances on how to ease people out of the situation they find themselves in through no fault of their own. So what do they do? They come up with a brilliant idea. Gas-fired generators. That's right. Gas-fired generators produce electricity in the midst of a renewable energy boom. And they asked the private sector to invest. And the private sector said, look, mate, look, we're in this for private gain, all right? Private investment for private profit. There's no profit in gas-generated electricity. It's yesterday's technology. So what does the federal government do next? Well, relevant minister browbeats. That's right. They're very good at browbeating people, and we'll talk about this in a minute. They browbeat a so-called independent authority which was set up by the government, hand-picked members who basically said this gas-fired bullshit is bullshit, that we need to look at our renewable energy in a much more favourable light. And, you know, and they keep bashing this gas-fired energy generation. So they've got an opinion. They refuse to analyse the facts. They have an opinion... It's not based on facts. It's based on pacifying the very people who ensure they continue to be re-elected on a monotonously regular basis. That's what it's been about. It's not about analysis. It's about opinion, an opinion which is based on their own political survival, not what's good for the population, not what's good for the nation, not what's good for planet Earth, but what's good for them during the next three years. Let's move on. Now, I don't know if you remember John Howard, a former Prime Minister, a man who made his uh, political fortunes by uh, stopping the tamper and saying, we will determine who comes to this country when he was quite happy to open the borders during the globalisation phase to you know, every uh, Tom, Dick, Harry, Jeanette and Jill in order to exploit us. and was happy to give up his the country's economic sovereign rights but made a hullabaloo about Tampa because he knew he could actually tick, pick up a few votes and push him over the line. Well, why do I mention Mr Howard? Well, Mr Howard... The elderly's friend, and let's not forget it's the over 65s who time and time and time again, and I'm part of that brigade, so I'm allowed to criticise them, all right? Who time and time again, between 67 and 70%, continue to vote for the coalition government because they're frightened they'll lose their franking credits. Well, it was Mr. Howard who privatised the aged care sector, who allowed a few little corporations to come in and muscle out the church-run groups, muscle-out um, the community-run groups and allowed them to dominate the sector. Now, we've seen the aged care fiasco. We saw a Royal Commission which the government was forced to hold because of the... And the Royal Commission was blistering, blistering in its findings 
regarding the inadequacies of a system. And it basically pointed the finger at the private sector. I mean, there are some avenues, there are some certain things in society which are not designed to make a profit. And to privatise these services is madness. And that's why we get the situation we find ourselves in. Now, the federal government, trying to defuse the situation, pumped $534 million. They said they're going to pump $534 million into the aged care sector. Whoopie-doo, whoopie-doo, whoopie-doo. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. almost falling asleep. What they forgot to tell us is over the last few years, they have removed $9.8 billion subsidy from the aged care sector. $9.8 billion. And they're throwing themselves... They're throwing their hands up in the air and saying, glory, glory, hallelujah, because they've put back $1.3 billion. It's a little bit like I stole $10 for, from you and then I said, oh, look, I feel sorry about it. Here's $1.50 change. What a lot of crap. And just in case you think when you listen to these major corporations in the aged care sector, there is no profit in aged care for private corporations which are happy to feed people on $3 a day in the aged care sector, think again, they made a combined profit of $1.3 billion in the last financial year. Think about it. Analysis, not opinion. I mean, this government is an ideologically based government. They like to talk about... The ALP being hostages to the trade union movement. Well, I'm afraid the ALP is not hostage to the trade union movement. The ALP is hostage to that 1% of the society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. It stopped being a hostage to the trade union movement a few years after it was formed in the late 1890s. It's not a hostage. If there is any political party which it's a hostage to a certain section of society, if there's any political party which is driven by ideology, it's the coalition, the Liberal National Party, and their ideology is quite clear. And poor Christian Holgate, the former head of Australia Post, almost the last non-privatised entity left in this country found herself on the outer from our beloved leader, Mr Morrison, the great Prime Minister. So Mr Morrison's dirty little secret. Now, Mr Morrison has a dirty little secret when it comes to Christine Holgate. And I know Christine's jumping up and down in the Senate Estimates Committee telling us how she's been humiliated and etc., etc. And I'm sure she was humiliated. But you've got to understand why Morrison acted and he acted so quickly, where he told the CEO of Australia Post, sorry, where he told the manager, the, um, oh, the, the, the head of the board of C, whatever his name was, Bartholomew, get rid of that woman. Get rid of that woman. And why do he want to get rid of that woman? Because she gave four Cartier watches to her employees who'd snared a good contract for Australia Post? No. 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 You see... Poor old Christine took her job as CEO 
of Australia Post seriously. And she thought she was in the job to expand Australia Post, to maintain its services, to expand its services, to maintain its employees. And she'd been fighting with the board, the government-appointed board of Australia Post, which wanted to privatise Australia Post, especially the parcel division, which is exceptionally profitable currently with COVID-19 and the World Wide Web. The fact that we like to order stuff from China, (laughs) and the list goes on and on, and Amazon. But that's the reason she's been kicked out. Not because of cardio watches, but because she was a burr under the saddle of Mr Morrison. And Mr Morrison, as former Liberal Party leaders have done, had lined up a number of corporations to take over Australia Post. They were going to sell it for a pittance. And Christine, knowing she'd lose her job if it was privatised, fought tooth and nail, not just for her own job, but for the people working in Australia Post, for the private businesses which run most of the post offices around the country, the 3,000 post offices around the country. So when Morrison heard about the Cartier watches, he thought, wow, let's get rid of the woman. Let's get rid of this burr under the saddle. Let's get Australia Post ready for privatisation. The trouble with Morrison was that he's used to humiliating people, used to browbeating people, but on this occasion, Christine Holgate stood up to him and said, look here, mate, you've ruined my life. You've ruined my career. And it's not just a gender issue. It's more than a gender issue. So so Morrison, as we saw in the aged care sector, as we saw in early childhood development sector, as we've seen in what happened when the Commonwealth Employment Service was privatised, as we've seen with the NDIS, whenever government outsources its responsibility to the private sector, we see that the services are abysmal. Profits are maximised at the expense of the consumers of that particular product. And we have seen successive Liberal National Party governments and most of the Australian Labor Party since the Whitlam government bend over backwards to accommodate accommodate that section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication time after time after time after time. And when it comes to the last remaining public asset apart from the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, which has been able to resist privatisation, and we've got a CEO who resisted that push to privatise the more profitable parts of Australia Post, we have seen the true colours of this government. We have seen who pulls the puppet strings of our so-called parliamentary representatives. And as I've said before, and I'll continue to say it again, 
when you elect somebody to parliament for three years, when you elect them for three years, they have no responsibility to you, the elector. None whatsoever. The only saving grace is in three years' time, you may cast a ballot in a different direction, depending on how the Murdoch media, legacy media, continues to manipulate the political system in this country. Outstanding legacy. If you want to break this nexus between those who exercise power and the parliamentary puppets, we need a mechanism via which we can recall non-performing politicians in between elections. This is nothing new or radical. It's a mechanism, let's say, during a three-year term, once during that three-year term, say if 10% of the population calls for a fresh election because they're unhappy with that particular person, well, then that fresh election needs to be called. And that can change governments. And that fresh election can actually change the direction a government will take. That gives a little bit more power to the elector. But under the current model, don't expect that your political representatives will look after your interest, especially those political parties that find themselves in the position of exercising power or are waiting in the wings to exercise power. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name's Joseph Toscano. You can now one more thing. Qantas. Okay? Qantas. Now all these people who think that inclusion is a big thing, look at the way Qantas has reacted with the COVID nineteen crisis. It doesn't matter whether you have a gender or sexual orientation inclusive policy and who is at the head of a particular corporation. It's how that corporation functions. And during the COVID-19 crisis, Qantas took the opportunity to fire 2,500 of its maintenance people and re-advertise their jobs, right? Re-advertise their jobs to labour hire firms which will re-employ people at less wages, worse conditions, in order to save a buck. But at the same time, a transport workers' union, which is... And you've got to remember that uh, the aircraft industry is still heavily unionised, had an enterprise bargaining agreement with Qantas regarding its members, but they tore up that enterprise bargaining agreement and outsourced their employees. Currently, there is a case before the federal court, which most likely will go all the the way to the high court if Qantas loses, regarding the legality of a corporation firing employees who have an enterprise bargaining agreement and replacing those employees with non-unionised, outsourced labour for decreased costs and worse working conditions. So don't talk to me about ticking boxes, equity, unity, inclusion. It is total furphy. 
It's that type of furfy, you know, you, you know, you hear it in the pub. It's a total furfy. It's a ticking the boxes exercise. That's all it is. If Qantas had any interest in its employees, COVID-19 or no COVID-19, it would have respected the enterprise bargaining agreement, which is a legally binding document under the Fair Work Commission, and the Transport Workers Union wouldn't have to take this case to court to see whether they, these individuals had been removed from work illegally. Think about it. Think about it. Let's move on. The gig economy. <laughs> I love the gig economy. Not 18th, 17th century industrialisation when they had four-year-olds working in coal mines. Sorry, five-year-olds working coal mines. The gig economy. You go out there, you, like this morning, was it last night I nearly ran over somebody, you know, on a, on a little bicycle for a little pack on their back and they were weaving in and out of traffic, obviously trying to get their $6.50 or $9.50 for the delivery and I can understand why they were weaving in and out of traffic. But the reality is they get killed, their families get nothing. They get injured unless they got private insurance, which obviously they can't afford. They can't afford to have private accident insurance if they're earning two, three hundred bucks a week. You can't afford it. And you've got these huge platforms raking in millions, if not billions, of dollars. You know, the gig economy. Uber drivers, menu log drivers. There's millions of them out there. You know, eking out in existence. Eking out in existence. No protections. What was the point of the trade union movement? What was the point of all those struggles over decades to allow this to continue to occur? Currently there is a investigation into the gig economy as if we need an investigation into what's going on. Isn't it about time that all these fake contracts, so-called individual contracts, were torn up and people were put on a wage system? And if that company goes bankrupt, so be it. Why should a company make a profit on the exploitation of its workers? If it can't pay them a decent wage with decent conditions, what's the point of that company being allowed to continue to do what it does? Now, there are companies in the gig economy which are flexible. That's another of the buzzwords, flexible, which means is they can fire people when they like, who actually pay people a wage and give them their conditions. There's a few in the NDIS. Not many. It can be done. And they can still make a profit. So think about it. Everything that was good is bad. Everything that was bad is now said to be good. It's good to have flexibility, another buzzword, which means it's good that you can be exploited and have to and be, you know, work two days a week. It's good. Talking about Back to the Future, the United States of America, I'm pleased Mr Biden is now President of the United States of America. Back to the Future. Have you noticed the rustling in the world? Maybe you haven't noticed the rustling living in Australia, concerned about, you know, the AstraZeneca um, vaccine. Maybe you're a bit concerned about that. But think about it. 
little bit of muscle, little bit of pushing currently. Taiwan, China and the USA are facing off in the ocean around Taiwan and the skies. A little bit of pushing to and throw. Russia, Ukrainian border. Russia has increased its presence on the Ukrainian border. You know, a little bit of toing and froing. Afghanistan, toing and froing. Iran, as we've seen the last few days, toing and froing. Ah, it's good to get back to the good old days when you knew who were the good people and who were the bad people. <laughs> I'm just joking. And last but not least, humanising people. Now, I know a person who's... Well, I don't really know them. I buy coffee for them from them, but they're... Um, They'd be sotted with that family in England that likes to call themselves royal, you know, besotted, and it'll be putting on their DVD player or whatever to tape the thing for this man. And I'm thinking to myself, what is it? Well, it's the spectacle. It's all about the spectacle. There's no point in me saying these people are a bunch of parasites. Their ancestors were murderers and rapists. There's no point saying that. So I just humour them and I say, really? <laughs> really? You're going to waste your time watching this? Why don't you watch something else? But that's the way it is with life. Sometimes you've just got to humour people and humanise the situation, especially when it doesn't really matter what people think about these people. You've been listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program will be podcast the next 48 hours. There are thousands of podcasts. Go to 3cr.org.au. Facebook page, Joseph Toscano. That's right, Joseph Toscano. YouTube. Pipsy, I think, underscore AU. You'll find a public interest before corporate interest. Up comes the YouTube. Don't put us on Facebook. We're blocked. I'm sorry. Pipsy, P-I-B-C-I, the type of organisation you need to join. Any organisation that's joined, blocked by Zuckerberg is the organisation for you. You can become a member. Go to pipsy.net, download the application form. Haven't got a computer? Haven't got a printer? You can always leave a message on 04. 39 You can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com. You can go to the Unexperienced site, defend and extend public housing, public housing, everybody's business. It's all there. It's all up to you. And don't forget the 1st of May, if you're in Melbourne on the 1st of May, 11am to about 2pm, we're going to have a walking tour and lunch around the streets of Melbourne looking at the the uh, important 19th century anarchist sites. It's not a big walk, maybe three to four kilometres maximum. So uh, put on your running shoes and uh, turn up at 11am. Go to the Facebook page, go to the web pages. It's all there. But uh, 11am, chummy place in Cullen. Thank you for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. Listen in next week via the Community Radio Network. Minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week, Australia's Sacred Cow Slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashing
wash my hands. Oh, Lord, yeah. So it's up to us, the people. We need a treaty in this country. We need the end to the war in this country. And the only way we can do that is through a peace treaty. Not the one you see in Victoria, not the one you see in Queensland, not the one you see in the Northern Territory, because they talk treaty and still lock our people up. They still kill our people. They still desecrate our land and our water. A treaty means peace. A treaty means equality. And a treaty means justice. Thank you. Subscribe to 3CR in 2021. Feed Radical Radio. Subscribe today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 94198377. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.